And welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, fan castings, and now, album reviews. Woo! Regular enough that I feel comfortable saying that in the intro. I'm John. I'm Adam. And today we're going to be reviewing the 1993 album No Time to Kill by the country artist Clint Black. Now... Before you spit out your ecto cooler, <laughs> open up your device and make sure you're looking at the right podcast. Yes, we are going to be reviewing a country album. I don't think we've ever talked about country music in any form on here, really. And to be honest, it is not something that I listened to as a kid, not as a genre. No. There were specific artists i would listen to most of what i listened to that i would admit to listening to at least when i was a kid was older stuff Mm -hmm. your merle haggard johnny cash maybe a little early willie nelson some chris christopherson sort of the outlaw country guys the older guys stuff that our dad listened to when i think when i think of those people i think of our dad for sure he definitely enjoyed that kind of stuff i don't know that he ever did this for you but i remember when i was little Dad used to sing a particular Merle Haggard song to me, uh, which was, um, Are the Good Times Really Over for Good? And I went rolling downhill like a snowball headed for hell. With no kind of chance for the flag or the liberty bell. And so I really associate that song with Dad. I dad never sang to me like that. He uh, he must hate me. Oh, hey, dad used to sing to me all the time. Actually, and he, I would hear him sing that song around the house a lot. The the one song I remember dad singing more than anything else was uh, the "Put your guts in a box and put them in a drawer." Hubba 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 hubba. That <laughs> yep. that song. I'm a happy boy. I'm a happy boy. Like, by the by the beat farmers. Yeah, like that's if, when I think of him singing. That's the only song I really think about. <laughs> I was walking down the street on a sunny day. Hubba, 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 hubba. I feel it in my bones as I have my way. Hubba, 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 hubba. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, it did good when things are going your way. Hey, hey. Yeah, my little dog Spot got hit by a car. Hubba, 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 hubba. Put his guts in a box and put him in a drawer. Hubba, 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 hubba. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, I'm a happy boy. Happy boy. Oh, it did good when things are going your way. So, yeah, Yeah. so we're going to review this album. And I would say this was sort of like a sleeper one. Mm -hmm. Adam, I believe you got this album as a gift, or did you pick it out? Do you Uh, remember? I don't remember. I just remember owning the tape. So I had the cassette for, I think, two Clint Black albums. I can't remember what the other one was off the top of my head, but No Time to Kill was one of them. And so I was a little bit more of the country fan as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I have, I, I mean, I don't have a super distinct memory of you telling me this, but in my head and in our history, this is what I remember happening. Okay. okay? Let me, let me take you back. Okay. Adam was a kid. He was, you know, in Georgia, you know, with his other friends and, you know, all of them listened to country music back in the day. And so I had a couple country tapes, a couple Clint Black tapes, uh, at least one Alan Jackson tape, mm-hmm. the one that had Chattahoochee. Well, way down yonder on a Chattahoochee, it gets hotter than a hoochie coochie. We laid rubber on the Georgia asphalt, we got a little crazy, but we never got caught. Down by the river on a Friday night. 
So I listened to a couple country albums when I was when I was younger, and as you would, just being growing up in the South, then comes grunge. Yep. Then John changed completely. John listens. John puts on his flannel. John has his baggy shorts. And he turns to his brother five years younger than him. And pretty much I rem- what I remember is you said, you're done listening to country. You're going to listen to grunge with me now. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that moment, my mentality, or maybe maybe I wanted to be more like you. Maybe I, that could have been it too. Yeah. Uh, I could have been like, oh, my brother's listening to this cool music. I want to be like him. Whatever it was. But in my head, I remember you were like, fuck country, Adam. Grunge is cool. You're going to listen to grunge. And so you, from the way I think of it, you pretty much taught me to hate country for a period of my life. (laughs) And like in like the mid to late nineties and even like the early, like pretty much all through high school, I was like, Oh, I hate country. I'm a rock guy. (laughs) And eventually after, after high school, I think I, I maybe I attribute it a little bit to the girl I dated in college because she listened to country all the time, and so I was kind of forcibly had to listen to country and go to some country albums, or go to some country concerts, and I was like, "Oh, this stuff isn't that bad. Why? Why did I hate this?" Mm-hmm. And so after that, I kind of revisited the Clint Blacks or the Alan Jackson, some of right. those some of those albums that I had when I was a kid, and I was like, "Why the fuck did I?" think this stuff was awful why did i hate this shit because at one point with grunge it became cool to hate country yeah for that you know generation and, yeah. and those those grunge people and so i totally fell into that now as an adult like i'm fine i like country i like hip-hop i right. like rock i like <clears throat> all types of genres and it's totally fine it's stupid to hate <laughs> it but i remember as a kid yes you know you were <laughs> what i what i remember is i remember you're like no, I'm taking you from the path of the dark country and bringing you to the light of the grunge. Maybe it's the vice versa, the right. darkness of the grunge. But that was the case. Like you're like, no, country's stupid. And so I fell into that. And so I had a long period of my life where I hated country and I thought it was dumb. But it's not. It's good. It's enjoyable. And this is one of the albums I had as a cassette as a kid. And so I'm I'm really happy to be revisiting it. I will say that I've I've kind of had a similar path in that I've obviously went through my hating country phase. I also went through a hating hip hop phase for a while, mm-hmm. which I, which is weird because I don't feel like it was actually true. Mm-hmm. Like just I don't know. It seemed like that's what everyone was doing when you're a kid. You want to fit in, and that's yeah. what happens. And as I get older, and I do tend to go back and listen to older country, but I do listen to some new country, not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because we have a cousin who is uh, very much into country and I give her shit endlessly for it. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's just fun to give her shit and it really has nothing to do with <laughs> whether or not I actually like the, the music of the songs. It's just because I like giving her shit. Yeah, she's she's like... She doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm no, positive. She's a, she's a freak about like Luke Bryan and some of those yeah, yeah. She, She's... Yeah. She, I don't worry she's about she's that. a little rednecky. <laughs> <laughs> she's probably the most rednecky of all of our cousins. Oh, yeah. Which I'm sure she would actually take as a compliment. So, uh, I, And that is largely how I remember this. But I will say this. I remember, and I don't remember if I ever told you this. I think I remember us having this discussion. This album was one that I actually admitted to you. That, mm-hmm. You know what? I don't mind this album so much. Mm-hmm. This was one I remember... Uh, when we were growing up, uh, we didn't live in a particularly big house. Adam and I basically shared a bedroom pretty much all the way up until I went to college. Yeah, there was we did not live in a house big enough for all three of us to have yep. our own bedrooms plus our mother's room. Two twin beds. Yes, you two know. twin beds. <laughs> like yeah. some old couple. 
Yeah, exactly. Like the honeymooners or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that you would see our setup was very similar. But often we had a an actual boombox, not mm-hmm. a big boombox, but we had a boombox in our room and we would often take turns playing music uh, to go to sleep. I remember this much, uh, which is how I remember our mother hating the fact that I was listening to grunge because I would listen to it when we were trying to go to sleep <laughs> and she'd come in and like, shut the noise off. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially some of the, the harder core ones. I feel yeah. like an Alice in Chains. It's not really something that you can listen to <laughs> right. to sleep. Not for our mom. Yeah. Uh, there's, <laughs> I actually do have a very distinct memory of, uh, there's a song off of Nirvana's third studio album. In, um, uh, in utero. In utero called radio friendly unit shifter and it's largely noise mm. and i remember her coming in at night while i'm listening to this she's like what are you doing i'm like we're trying to go to sleep she's like to that <laughs> <laughs> and i remember she she said adam's trying to sleep and you were like i don't mind it yeah <laughs> and she was like whatever and just threw up her hands and left the, left the room but this was one that I, I think I kind of considered a guilty pleasure. Like, mm. I didn't admit to anyone else that I liked it, but I actually really did. And I, I remember I got to a point where I would listen to music on a Sony Walkman mm-hmm. to go to bed. And I did, I did borrow this tape from you a few times to go to sleep. Maybe I just thought it would put me to sleep. But I did actually start to enjoy the album a little bit. And I was actually excited to revisit it. Nice. All right. No, I, I know we, I mean, for, for both of us, because of this album, like Clint Black is someone that we hold in a very nostalgic light for yeah, country. Exactly. I mean, he's an old school country. He's like a, you know, Garth Brooks, like older, older country kind of thing. Very kind of traditional country style. I feel in that eighties, nineties, yeah. big country genre. Um, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people love Clint Black as much as like, we do when a lot of people like love like the Garth Brooks and all right. this stuff. In my head, when I think of my favorite country artists, Clint Black is right at the top, yeah. and mostly for this album. And as when I was a kid, to me, the two are Clint Black and Dwight Yoakam. Oh, okay, from that eighties, nineties yeah. country era. Yeah, and our mom did have some Dwight Yoakam albums. Yes. And large, and that's the thing. The other all the a lot of the country we listened to, aside from this, really came from our mother. Yeah, um, and it was stuff like Dwight Yoakam, Mary Chapin Carpenter, yeah. the Bonnie Raitt, who's like Bonnie Raitt. Uh, country blues. Yeah, she's very bluesy, she can, but you know, yeah, she can kind of fall into all kinds of stuff. So, uh, but also, actually, when I was in high school, after I think after I got out of the the grunge phase, because this uh, later in high school was, mm-hmm. was well after grunge. <clears throat> uh, our mom would play stuff like Patsy Cline, yeah, and stuff like that, and I did kind of get into that a little bit. So. I'm ready to dive into this album, talk about it yep. a little bit. So the album was recorded, or sorry, the album was released on July 13th of 1993. Uh, as you would expect, it was recorded, oh, sorry. It was recorded in two different studios in Nashville and LA, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense because the personnel list for this album is extensive. Yeah, I saw all the people that were in this one and some yeah. big names. So yeah, pretty, which pretty we'll talk about in a second. Crimp uh, Black uh, did help produce it along with uh, a man named James Stroud. Uh, the album itself is only about 32 minutes long, a little over 32 minutes, not that long. It's 10 tracks. Yeah. Um, I get the distinct feeling because I, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but a lot of most country singers don't write their own songs. Mm. And maybe they write a few of their own songs, but most of them don't write all of their own songs. And it's not really something, it's weird. In other genres, it's kind of looked down upon to not write your own mm-hmm. songs. But in 
country, jazz, blues, it's kind of expected. Mm -hmm. It's really that, okay, you probably didn't write this song or you're remaking the song that someone else did. And so, which I appreciate because, you know, as someone who, who is a musician, sometimes I do like playing my own stuff. Sometimes a good song is a good song, and you just want to play it even if it isn't yours. Mm-hmm. The as I said before, the personnel list for this album was very very long, but I do want to make three notes. Winona Judd uh, mm-hmm. makes it kind of a, a, a appearance in the song "A Bad Goodbye" as a vocal duet. Yeah, but there are two notable people who did background vocals for this. The first one, obvious, uh, being the obvious one, which is Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Kenny Loggins did background vocals on this album. I saw that name and I was I was shocked. I had no idea. Uh, and if you don't know who Kenny Loggins is, you're probably too young to be listening to this podcast to begin <laughs> with, because Kenny Loggins was king of the, the 80s. King of the 80s, especially movie, mm-hmm. uh, movie, movie music songs for for movies. Famously, sang Danger Zone and playing with the boys in Top Gun. Uh, it's yeah. all right from Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Just you, you know, you couldn't have uh, a, Footloose. Yeah, Footloose. Footloose could not have a big '80s movie without Kenny Loggins yeah. singing your theme song. And the other one, which was a surprising one to me, which is Timothy B. Schmidt, who is he did background vocals on some of the songs here. He is the bass player for the Eagles. Oh, very cool. So those were the the two. And the, there's one other person I do want to mention. And I, for all of the country hating I did as a kid one genre of music that I've always enjoyed was bluegrass yeah I've always enjoyed bluegrass to me it seemed a little bit more to me I think maybe in the 80s and 90s when you had like these big country stars it seemed fake Mm -hmm. and fake is something that wasn't cool back then (laughs) but bluegrass there was something just real and authentic about bluegrass it's just guys getting together and jamming and, Mm -hmm. and singing songs and the very, very first track, the very opening lick, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, is played by an instrument called a dobro, which is basically mm-hmm. a slide guitar of sorts. And I've listened to enough stuff where I listened to that before I even looked at the personnel list. I said, that's Jerry Douglas. Mm-hmm. I can just tell by listening to it, that's mm-hmm. Jerry Douglas. Basically, there are... I cannot remember the name of the other guy. There's two guys who are just the biggest names in Dobo playing, and Jerry Douglas is one of them. I've seen Jerry Douglas play live, uh, mostly due to our mother. Mm-hmm. There was an mm-hmm. album that she had uh, called... Actually, the, the name of the band was just the name of the three guys. It was yeah. uh, Jerry Douglas, Russ Berenberg, and Edgar Meyer. Edgar Meyer is very, very famous uh, upright bass player. Uh, plays classical folk, jazz, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And I actually got to go to a concert and see them play, and it was phenomenal. So I was, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, I know exactly who that is. So uh, was there anything you wanted to say before we jump into the actual list? No. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Let's, right. let's listen to this so stuff. So speaking of that opening, the opening uh, Dobro lick, the first track we have is the title track to the album, which is No Time to Kill. <laughs> There's no time to kill between the cradle and the grave. 
Father, time still takes a toll on every minute that you say. Legal tender's never gonna change the number on your days. The highest cost of living's dying, that's one everybody pays. So have it spent before you get the bill. There's no time to kill. I really like this track. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It's upbeat. It's a good opening track for the album. It, it's moving. Uh, it's catchy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just it's fun. It's a fun country song. It is. It's uh, yeah. It, it it gets you moving very quickly. That that lick at the beginning, the dober, the guitar just gets you into the song. Um, I mean, further, even even to another level. Like, no time to kill. This specific specifically, this song is. My favorite Clint Black song, period. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of good songs that you kind of forget about how good songs are, and we'll get another one coming up actually pretty soon in this yeah. album. But this one is like my favorite Clint Black song, and we're starting it off right away. Like yeah. for me, it's almost like, oh, you blow your load too soon. <laughs> <laughs> like we're getting we're getting no time to kill right away. It's like, ah, oh, I need a little build up before that happens. But um, not even just that. This is one of my favorite country songs, period. Of like of all country songs, I love this one. Yeah, and. It's yeah, it's good. It, it gets me. It gets me right into this album right away, um, and so I'm really happy about it. it. It's I like his voice, Clint Black's voice. I like a lot. Like yeah, it's it's, it, it's very it's, 80s. It's, to me, yeah, it's just enough twang to mm-hmm. say it's country, but it's not so much twang that I can't understand yeah. him. It's <laughs> yeah. it's you know we we recently talked about. Uh, a couple of, a few music episodes ago we talked about Nirvana and mm-hmm. you really can't understand a half of what he says because <laughs> no. they, they do a lot of kind of burying the vocal and stuff like mm-hmm. that but one thing I do kind of appreciate especially for country music in general and Clint Black is I can always one I can always hear what he's saying two he's always sort of there's a good theme and he's always telling a story with with the songs yeah um, so we kind of jumped right out uh, right good right out of the gate and then immediately we bring it back a little bit. Yeah. And that was with this song, Thinking Again. The trouble I found Could have never found me Chase my feelings around, my thoughts running free. The heart catches things that the minds I won't see. And I'm not nearly as blind as I thought I could be. I used to think One thing I wanted to say before, and I forgot to say this. So this album, I said, is only about 32 minutes. It's 10 tracks. Country artists, and I don't know if it was then as now. I don't know if it's now as it was then. Seemed to put out albums pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. He actually put out an album the year before this and the year after this. Mm. So it seems to me like that was pretty common to just kind of knock out ten songs, release it. Because famously, if you are someone who knows anything about the recording industry, especially in Nashville. It's very hard to break into the recording industry in Nashville, even as a session musician, because you have got to be on, because they do these yeah. things in one take. I mean, one take, two takes. 
they they they're trying to knock these albums out. It's a it's a money thing. Mm-hmm. If you can't get it right the first time, they don't want you. Yeah. Imagine if yeah, if you're a ses- particularly a session musician, you've got to be you've got to be on the ball. All you've got to be you've got to be top tier if you're living yes. in Nashville doing session yeah. recording. You had no mistakes the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, and it goes and that goes with most session musicians. Uh, if you think about all the orchestral scores you've heard. Uh, most of those players see the score that day, and they basically have to sight read it. Maybe they get one playthrough before they actually record, but they go. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They go. That is impressive, though. Like when yeah. you when you think, and there's some there's some fantastic documentaries out there about some session musicians. Oh yeah, um, that I highly highly recommend. There's uh, Muscle Shoals. Mm-hmm. It's really good. That one's that one's got. They talk about the Swampers. Yeah. Uh, which actually you hear about in the song "Sweet Home Alabama." Right. Muscle Shoals has got the Swampers. Right. That's a group of session musicians who were just fucking amazing, and right. they played with some great people. Uh, you also get some others like uh, the Wrecking Crew, which is another one uh, about I think some some uh, session musicians that are just yeah. There's really really good people out there yeah uh and so 20 yeah, feet from stardom yes which is yeah those are background, background singers that's a fan that actually won an oscar yeah um, but it was it's a that's an amazing doc so i highly recommend any of those uh famously people don't realize this but the band toto was comprised of session musicians who just put together a band mm. the guitarist from toto famously played the lick on michael jackson's beat it Everyone thinks that Eddie Van Halen played everything on there, but he only played the solo. Mm. This other guy, who I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, who actually played a lot of the licks. And most of those guys were session guys who wrote songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, actually, that guy, I wish I can remember his name, but that's I'm too lazy to look it up, wrote several hits. I remember he wrote uh, a, uh, one of George Benson's 80s hits. When I hear the word Benson, I only think of the, the show <laughs> Benson <laughs> or Soap. Yeah, he wrote uh, George Benson's Turn Your Love Around. Turn your love around. Don't you turn me down. I can show you how. Turn your love around. Very cool. So just kind of talking about session musicians there. Yeah. So as far as let's actually talk about the song. I tell you what, when I was a kid, I I don't think I liked this song. This is probably one I skipped through. As an adult, I actually don't mind it so much. I actually really do kind of enjoy it. Yeah, it's not a bad song, but honestly, I'm pretty happy to skip it. Okay. Mostly because it hurts the flow. You go from No Time to Kill, and then the song after this, A Good Run of Bad Luck that we'll talk about very shortly... This one in between just doesn't fucking work. It needs to be cut and dropped later in the album, but you need to go from No Time to Kill straight to Good Run of Bad Luck, in my opinion. I feel like this one this one hurts me wanting to listen to this album straight the way through. Okay. It's not a... The way you put it, it's not a bad song, but it's so much slower than the others that it's bookended by that I think it just it doesn't work as well for me. If you and maybe if you wanted to put one in between there, you put one that doesn't drop as much. Yes, yeah, if you, yeah. Maybe you know, maybe isn't as big of a song, but it doesn't drop the tempo and yeah. keeps it moving. And, and maybe you wait till after Good Run or Bad Luck. Yeah, in in my opinion, they should have taken this song and put it 
maybe after or before a bad goodbye because those are very similar slow ones. Maybe they thought it would be too much slow back to back, but you would have had a flow where you have no time to kill. You got some fast upbeats to a good run about, and then a state of mind I think is a really good transition to slightly slower and then you get some slower tracks and then you can kind of pick them up at pick it up at the end which it ends really good pickup wise which we'll get to but this one just it it cuts too much into i'm having my fun i'm in my fun country (laughs) phase and then i just get shot in in uh (laughs) song two with thinking again and i'm yeah so that's that's my problem so if you're listening james stroud the next time you need to order songs (laughs) on an album you call adam damn straight uh speaking of a good run of bad luck Let's go ahead and jump into that one. A high roller, even when the chips are down. To win her over, I'd see the tables turn around. She's ten the hard way. Feel it in my bones She'll be making my day Not another night alone Well, it's time for a windfall Not a single minute too soon I've been too long overdue Now I'm gonna shoot the moon I did it all on a good run of bad luck Seven come eleven and she could be mine Lucky a lady and I'm gonna find love Coming on the bottom line I love this song. This mm. is to me. This is the quintessential song on this album. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, this is this is probably one of his biggest hits, if not his biggest hit, at least from the album. It's definitely his biggest hit of the album. It was the only one to actually chart in the top one hundred mm. overall, not just country. Mm-hmm. It actually charted number one on country. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I was wrong. What Never mind. You say? Um. This was his. This was his only one that charted number one. Okay. Half of this album, he had some of them that got close, and some of them were surprising. Time to Kill actually uh, only made it to three. Oh. Okay. Uh, but the uh, and the, the the country album or country hits. Yeah, or, sorry, in the U.S. country okay. U.S. country charts. This good run of bad luck did remember uh, did make it all the way to number one. And I remember when I when I first went back on iTunes and was like, oh yeah, I remember this album. At first, I didn't buy the whole album. I only bought this song. Okay. Yeah, I, I think when people think of Clint Black, this is one of the quintessential songs they yes. think of. And this is probably my second favorite Clint Black song, but for some reason, No Time to Kill is my favorite. But this That's one, fine. This one's it's, really it's good. It's probably my number two, so it, yeah. we're yeah. the same <laughs> top two. Yes. Yeah, mm. this one is good. It's a lot of fun. Like, it's just, it's just moving, uh, and his kind of quick vocals, if you yeah. will, just work really well. Yeah. So. I like the, the, the gambling imagery, especially mm-hmm. now that I live in Vegas yeah. <laughs> and I kind of understand it all. I, it's, a, it's just a good song. Yeah. And that brings us to State of Mind, which I'm going to say before we listen to it, actually should be two songs. I think this should be two tracks because it's not really one song. It's one song and a weird intro. <laughs> and it starts out with this odd not really odd but it's like a, it's a harmonica solo and i think it's actually clint black doing it mm. but it starts out with this harmonica solo which is very kind of bluesy and a little bit funky mm. 
not very country-esque, mm-hmm. but it's fine. But it goes straight into the actual song. Got a big leather suitcase. All I own's inside. Seems I've been walking for days. Can't even bomb a ride. Try stepping to a tune with the rhythm of a walking man. Mind drifts like a big balloon out of my situation at hand. Ain't it funny how a melody can bring back the memory? Take you to another place in time Completely change your state of mind And that harmonica does not come back in the song. Yeah. It's, it's more of a, a just a transition, I think. Right. Because, well, if you listen to the album like fully, this good run of bad luck transitions very smoothly into state of mind. Mm-hmm. And I think they just use that opening part to kind of do that. But I, I like that they do it because, yeah, if you're listening to this album, it's a very smooth transition. This is a slower song from uh, from Good Run of Bad Luck. But I right. think because of that smooth transition, like this is this eases you into the next song really well. Uh, but it's I like this song quite a bit. Oh, I like the song, State yeah. of Mind. It's this harmonica intro. That yeah. what I actually, here's, here's what, no, here's what I actually wish. I don't necessarily mind the actual harmonica intro. Here's what I wish they had done, and this really has to do with it on CD or in digital. Mm-hmm. I wish they had separated that as its own track. Oh, okay. I yeah. would like the option of having these because eh. it's, it's like the first fifty seconds of the song. Yeah. Then the song kicks in. Yeah. Yeah, you get like a drum kick in like around that. Yeah. Around like 45, 50 seconds in. And I just kind of I wish they had separated that so I don't have to listen to it. Not that it's bad, but I don't. Sometimes I just want to go straight into the I song and I don't want to. Gotcha. Because obviously that's not something you could have done on a cassette tape. No. Yeah. So my gripe is really about whether or not they <laughs> then, but it you don't credit it's not credited as a, as its own track, which mm-hmm. is why I understand they wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wish it would. There's other songs that are like that. Um, uh, there's a song by a one-hit wonder band that I, I love. Actually, the band is called Blind Melon, and everyone knows mm-hmm. it for the song No Rain. But there was a song off their second album called Galaxy yeah. that I love. It's probably my favorite song off of their off of everything, even more than No Rain. But the very beginning of it has this weird intro. But even in the digital download, you have to listen through the intro to get yeah. to it. Or <laughs> the song Over Now by Allison Chains. Okay. Uh, which was it was a small, mild radio hit for them. But on the album, there's this weird like taps intro where it's like an old recording sound of something playing taps. Mm-hmm. You know what taps is? Yeah. And then he gets into the actual song, and I wish it was a way of like, you know, if I was if I was being really anal, I could just take the audio, put yes. it in, get rid of it myself. Well, in iTunes, you can you can tell it to start at a certain time code if you want to skip it that much, John. I know, but it is a lot of work. It's, it's yeah. more more work than it's worth I think Uh, but I mean back to State of Mind it's a very standard kind of country song I feel like but it's solid I like this one it it fits it fits well Uh, as I kind of mentioned before it transitions pretty smoothly Mm -hmm. um, even though it's got like it's different intros and whatnot but um, it's this is a good song this is a strong song on the album it's not too fast not too not too heavy not too light it's about it's about middle of the road it's a good uh, like you said a good standard Mm -hmm. Um, and then we get our first or actually our only Guest, yeah, 
on there, which is uh, Bad Goodbye with Winona Judd. And this is the only one, this is the one I meant to say, this is the only one that actually charted on the U.S. Top 100 mm. at, at 43. Okay. Uh, but it did not make number one on the country charts. Yeah. So I think it was more of like, it probably charted there because it was sort of like, almost like adult contemporary. Yeah. Like crossover into that. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into that song. surprised that that one is the highest charting one because this is probably my least favorite song on the entire album i found it so fucking boring <laughs> i don't know that's my least favorite on there but it's definitely yeah. low it's it's a slow song yeah it's a you know it's that country style love song yeah it's, yeah it kind of <laughs> it brings in winona judd yeah so but again it is definitely one that i am more inclined to skip yeah. Than a lot of the other stuff. These are that the kind of country songs that remind me of like the, my dog is dead <laughs> and I can't do something or whatever. I don't know. Like that kind of, they're like the, the bad kind of country songs. Yeah. Like I just, the cheese. The cheese. And I don't care for this one. I mean, Winona Judd's voice is fine. She's not my favorite female country singer by any means. Yeah. Um, I like Clint Black's voice a lot better than I actually like Winona Judd's voice in this song. Yeah. But in general, this is one I'd be fine to just cut out and just not... I would be on permanent skip. Like, it, <laughs> honestly, this is one that if I had the digital download, I'd probably just remove the song or, or just never, never play it. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one, this one is exactly... It is, it is my least favorite on the album. It's just so, so boring to me. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is called Back to Back. She's dealing with one thing I've got another thing coming If I'm looking at tomorrow She'll be thinking about yesterday Back to back We face each other Still Again, this, it's a good standard country song, kind of middle of the road, mm-hmm. not too energetic. You know, you open up with your dobro, some fiddle playing, uh, very country themed. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about 
talking about a woman. You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good old woman. She's got. She's by your side. Uh, but you're kind of sometimes you're looking in different directions, but you're always together. Like it's 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 cute. It's a cute song. I agree. It yeah. picks up the pace a little bit from the last one, and I and I appreciate that. Um, it's this is definitely not a single worthy song, but it's a good filler song. It's a decent yeah. album filler, yeah. and it's a pretty standard country song. And so I'm I'm plenty happy with just this one just kind of like playing on in the background. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's decent. It's solid. Yeah. The, I've listened to this album. I listen because it's actually so short. I listened to it a few times, mm-hmm. kind of in preparation for this. And I didn't. This was definitely one I actually didn't skip. Yeah. You know, I by the by I listened by the third time through the album, I kind of knew exactly which ones I was gonna yeah. like, and which ones I didn't. And some got skipped uh-huh. and some didn't. This one I didn't. And oddly enough, even though it's a slower song, the next one is also one I didn't skip. I actually really mm. enjoyed this one. Mm-hmm. That's Half the Man. She's every reason I take so much work on and every reason I take so much time at home and every single reason why I'm so much stronger and every reason I could never be And I think what I like about this one is the wordplay in the chorus, mm-hmm. where he, he's talking about this this you know this woman as yep. you do in pretty much every other country song that's yeah. in ever. It's either dead dogs or or women <laughs> or your truck <laughs> or a truck <laughs> or your truck or America fucking, fucking trucks. <laughs> that's a like God. I it, the, the, trucks in America make me think of Toby Keith, who is my hands down least favorite country <laughs> artist of all, all time because he is just he just screams hick to me. I just can't stand Toby Keith. He just he screams ignorant to me, which uh, country doesn't equal ignorance, yes. you know. And country music shouldn't. Uh, it's but his he, his he, stuff he does. He leans into the he, oh he does. <laughs> Yes, he like, does. He's laying down on the stereotype. <laughs> yeah, but I like the the word because he uses the term "she is half the man I am," mm-hmm. which in in itself doesn't really make a lot of sense. But what he's trying to say is, she is half of what makes up him. Mm-hmm. Half of what he is, his essence, is includes this woman, and he would not be he would be half a man if she was not there. Which I appreciate the wordplay for. And I think when I was younger, I kind of listened to it. I was like, that's that's wrong. That's grammatically wrong. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, she's only half a person. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that's that's a little bit sexist I there. Know, but like, I, I agree with you. It almost like it seems like you're insulting the woman, yeah. not complimenting but, her. No, you, but, the way you put it. It's, yes. Yeah. Now as I'm older and I, I can go back and listen to it, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, what are your thoughts on the song? Yeah. Uh, this is actually one I like. I do like better than the previous two slow songs. But yeah. I like it better than Thinking Again and better than A Bad Goodbye. Um it's, it's yeah, it's solid. It's it's it's, it's an okay song. It's yeah. one that I'm honestly I'm still more okay to skip, and I just prefer the more upbeat stuff. So like in general, these not a fan of the country ballads. Yeah, the country ballads I think in general can just be cut from this album, and if they would have been replaced with a little bit more upbeat stuff, mm-hmm. I would have really really loved more of this album than I did. Okay. But I still like this album, and this one, this song, 
I like better than the others of the okay. ballads. But yeah, this one's, um, again, still is on my latter half. Right. It's pretty much, for me, it's the top half of the albums are all the upbeat stuff. And then the <laughs> bottom half is every single slow stuff. Right. But yeah. All right. Uh, let's go on to the next one, which is called I'll Take Texas. I'm going to say, I actually really like this song. And I like it for a couple reasons. One, it's a complete departure from the style of the rest of the album. Mm -hmm. And it's a throwback to the old style of country swing. Yeah. Almost almost Dixielandish. That's kind of what I put. Maybe not Dixieland. Maybe not Dixieland, but I see where you're going with it. Yeah. it is, it's is, got that piano in there. Yeah. It, it, the influence of, which your country swing is sort of like your influences of folk and ragtime and mm -hmm. blues and that sort of thing. Sort of thing, but it, uh, kind of harken back to the the older older guys like your um, Hank Williams, mm -hmm. that older style of country from like the '60s and the '50s and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of a throwback to that style, and and it it makes it stick out because it's the only song like this on the album. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm with you. I actually I do quite like this song. It's not not one of my favorites, but it is. It's a good filler song. Yeah. It's the departure in style really helps this one stand out as yes. you put it i like the use of piano it's got slide guitar fiddle all of those different elements in there and it's a just a simple kind of beat behind it and uh it's yeah that very old school sound but it works it works really well and um it's good it's a solid song which makes me happy to kind of you know yeah just kind of have a different sound to it it keeps me interested and keeps me mm -hmm. wanting to keep moving on to the end of the album which yes. we're Quickly, very quickly moving down to it. We're already on, that was track number eight, and we only have two more to go. Uh, and that brings us to uh, the one which I believe was the B-side for mm. the uh, for a good run of Bad Lucks as a single. Mm. And that was Happiness Alone. I think I'll go back down to New Orleans, try to ferry my traveling bone. Unpredictable me, like I swore I would be. Nothing's ever written in stone. There's a knock on her door, is she here anymore? I guess me and the neighbors will see. If the one thing that I couldn't do without her, she couldn't do without me. Could I leave this one is probably my least favorite of uh -huh. all the ones on the album. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Because I have this one as... This one and my, Bad Goodbye would be my yeah. tie for my last Ah, uh, Okay, okay. For me, it's this is probably my favorite... Of, of the slow, slow songs, okay. so this is like my fourth least favorite of, <laughs> of the of the four slow songs. This is my fourth least favorite, being a bad goodbye, then probably thinking again, and then half the man, and then uh, and then this one. Okay, so it's I mean yeah, it's on that latter half for sure. <laughs> but I I it's not as sad of a song as some of the other ones. It's not as as slow as some of the other ones. So for me, like you know, I'm okay with this one. Okay, but 
it is it's it's definitely two different vibes that you're getting right. from the slow stuff and then the more upbeat stuff yeah and that brings us to our last one which is kind of appropriately tuckered out I think it's a great way to end the album. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's a complete change from the song before. Moves us, moves really fast, and it's fun if you're a country fan mm-hmm. because a lot of the lyrics are just naming famous country artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I actually really like this song. I kind of completely forgot about this song until I was listening through the album, and then this one came up, and I was just like, "Oh shit, yeah!" I mean. This one certainly picks up. This this fucking song moves, and I enjoy yeah. it. Um, and the way you put it, it is very appropriately named Tuckered Out. Yes. <laughs> like it gets you to keep moving until you get tuckered out. It reminds me a lot of some of the kind of the fast, silly songs that Brad Paisley does nowadays. And yeah. he's done over like, you know, this last 10 years or whatever. I feel like that's a very similar style. Um, but... This song also has like a, just a bunch of quick different solos. You get like a quick piano and then a fiddle and then guitar and then it kind of back and forth and back and forth. Uh, it's a fun-ass song. Yeah. I, I actually quite like this one and I will be happy to make sure I listen to that song in particular a little bit more often than I have in the past. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with Tuckered Out. Uh, I just kind of, I'm just looking at the lyrics real quick. I mean, first of all, the names... If you if you don't know anyone in country, this song is not going to make any sense to you. But even myself, who has very limited, uh, you know, experience with the country, first of all, right out of the gate, Little Texas, it's a famous. That's a famous country band. Mm-hmm. Russell, Rich, Big and Rich, Straight. He wouldn't have talked about Big and Rich, John. They or were not around. Maybe I think somebody else. Okay, different Rich then. I don't know. I don't know. They were definitely not around in the, in the early nineties. Okay. Are you sure? Oh, 100%. Big and Rich didn't come around until like the 2000s. Okay. All right. I'll believe you. But there's obviously somebody else. But Straight. Yeah. George Strait. George Strait, yeah. Foster. Brooks Dunn. Yeah. Names huge. those. Uh, in the chorus, Haggard. Yeah. Waylon. Uh, he names Black, so he names himself. Parton. Gills. Yeah. Nitty Gritty, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Yeah. Uh, McIntyre, Loveless. And Love It. I mean, that's all... That's, and that's just in the first that's just in the first uh, verse mm-hmm. and the chorus <laughs> so it's a fun little song and actually he co-wrote it so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of impressed with, I'm actually the more I look at this the more impressed I am in the song mm-hmm. um, and I think again it's a fun way I like it when an album ends up yeah because it, like, to me that leaves me wanting more mm-hmm. or makes me want to go back yeah you'll just start it you can start like, it over. okay now I want to start over again you know if you leave it down you'll be like alright I'm done with this now yeah. But uh, when an album leaves us, leaves us uh, with some energy, I think it helps. It makes it, it make again, as you said, it makes you want to go back to the beginning. I was like, right, let's do this all again. Yeah. So, Adam, final thoughts on the album? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say the album has fantastic flow. It goes like 
from upbeat, slow, upbeat, slow, upbeat, so kind of back and forth. And I kind of wish it was a little bit more smooth with some of those transitions. Um, but I do quite like this album. There, When I went back and re-listened to it, there were some songs that I would completely forgot about, but I'm more excited to be putting back into my rotations now. Like the Tuckered Out, like even some of the ones like, like the I'll Take Texas, you know, those are just kind of fun, different uh, or like the the back to back is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. State of mind, I actually I kind of like that one. Like those are in like the middle ground for this album, and then yeah. some of those the top tiers, which are the good run of bad lucks and no time to kill, which are ones I already remember loving. Yeah, um, they do make me happy. And so it's this this it was really enjoyable to kind of go back and check this album out. And you know, it, it for me personally, I really like revisiting some of this old country stuff. Because for such a long time, I I kind of felt it was cool to hate country right. and that I was a part of that group that now I'm like, what a dumb kid I was. <laughs> and now I can be like, no, this is fun. This is this is good to go back. And so, I, yeah, this, is, this, this kind of stuff is really cool to revisit just because of that. Because I can actually revisit it and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I largely think everyone has one of those moments where they look back at something <laughs> they said or thought when they were a kid and were like, how dumb was I? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm largely with you. Uh, as I said at the beginning, this was sort of like a, a guilty pleasure sleeper album for me that I kind of enjoyed on my own without telling anyone else. I was very happy and actually excited to go back to it. Uh, some of those ones that I hadn't listened to in a long time, I'm actually excited mm-hmm. to you know to to revisit. Just because it's 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 nice, especially ones where I don't know every song on the album already. And this was one of them where I remembered Good Run of Bad Luck. And then as I went back and listened to the whole album, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. I remember how much I really liked that one. So overall, I really like this album. If you're a fan of country at all, it's a great album. I don't dislike the flow, I think, as much as you do. But I come from more of a sort of classical music background where that sort of thing is actually encouraged. Because they, you're trying to show diversity. And so it's not just go, 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 go. But especially nowadays where you can I mean, you can make playlists and everything like that. So if you want to reorder everything in your own, that's not at all a problem. But overall, I really did enjoy this album. I really enjoyed going back to it. I would say 90% of the songs on here are great. And there are a few that are listenable mm-hmm. and but you know I, not ones I go back to but I would not call them bad songs they're very standard sounding country songs most of them are you have your few standouts but nothing is nothing is horrible nothing is bad there's no song in here where I'm like god that is just <laughs> the worst everything is listenable unless do you have anything else to say I'd say that is our review of No Time to Kill by Clint Black Please join us next time for a savage episode as we break down 1989's The Wizard, we review the 80s and 90s TV show The Wonder Years, and we cast our version of a Super Mario Brothers movie. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media at at blastpastcast, that's at blastpastcast, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.